It's recording now. Oh, shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Christine Von Hagen, comic extraordinaire. You're listening to Laugh Attack. No. Shit. Hi, this is Christine Von Hagen. I'm a comic, and you're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost, also Kathleen and Dave, on XM Radio. Lucky you. From an undisclosed location obeying all their court orders, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Hey guys, this summer, Darren, Dave, and I went to Just for Laughs in Montreal, and we met up with Christopher Titus for a fucking awesome interview. Here's part one. Okay, we're here in Montreal with Christopher Titus. Uh, he's up here for the whole week, I believe. And you're, you're doing your new uh, one-man show. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've broken Nevolution. And, uh, you know, it's so funny because I thought it was ready. Like, and I'm, and uh, so I bring it up here, and, and I, I think it's ready. It's done. And, and I get up here, and the second night, it doesn't go well. It does not go well. It doesn't go bad, you know, because you know, there's a certain level of comedy you get to where you just, you'll never have a shit show. But you'll have a show that you're like, eh. Or, you know, you get that little piece of your soul just been just kind of chunked out. Like someone took a fucking razor and just sliced it. So, uh, so yeah, so I guess it didn't go well. So I, uh, I, I rewrote stuff literally on Tuesday night and Wednesday. So, like, on the fly. I wrote a, I wrote a whole new bit about my dad, and, uh, and you know, because and, it fits part of the show. And I wrote – I went and I got, got on the Internet, and I said – because the show's called Nevolution, and it's all about how, 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 how pussies we are now. Like, we used to be – like amazing at revolution, like we, 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 the people that built these countries were amazing, and we just suck now. We got like 61 inch TVs, and we don't do anything. You know, the only time we ever we ever really get involved is when we're on the internet after we've masturbated and write a blog, an angry <laughs> blog, why you know the Kennedy assassination started global warming. I, you know what I mean? It's just like it's like we've become these weird, just haters. I, I do a bit of this. You know what I hate? I, I, the trophy thing. My kid. You know, when did we start giving out trophies for sucking? Yeah. Cause if that well, everyone happen, has to get a trophy now. Oh man, I would have been a legend in school, man. I'd have had, I, we'd have had a, we'd have had a thirty-five foot mantle at my house. But there's my trophy for sucking at baseball and football and soccer, and there's where I dominate for ten years at sucking and speak English to anyone of the female sex, right there. Yeah, they had to retire my silver foil reflective bomber jacket. Yeah, and my daughter got a trophy. My, my daughter were, uh, my daughter played soccer last year. She's eight, and they lost seven out of ten games. Yeah, they sucked. The only reason they won the three games they won was because the other team showed up and didn't have enough players. So they just, it was like forfeited. <laughs> so they won three that they got forfeited. So we get done with the season, and it's fine. And my daughter was the best kid on the team. And, and I got to tell you, man, these kids, there was one kid that just stood, on, and he was right forward, stood where he was supposed to stand, watched the game in the next field, and picked his nose. And this kid picked his nose like his skull had a clitoris. I'm telling you. <laughs> he loved it. So... So, but they get done with the season, and I go, well, let's move on to the next sport you're going to suck at, because you're eight. Sorry, you're going to suck the first time. Well, you know, and she goes, no, no, Dad, we've got to go to the trophy ceremony. And it just came out, I go, for what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she don't say, oh, no. She deserves it. And she goes, because we participated. And I go, oh, really? Is that all it takes now to be, you know, France participates, but nobody wants to fucking be France. <laughs> and I know where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. so, because, uh, you know, there's, here, you know why every black athlete dominates every sport? It's because there's no trophies for sucking in the hood. In fact, yeah. if you got a trophy for sucking in the hood, that's a badge of, of shame, man. Yo, participant. Yo, come here, man. Yeah, hold my jacket. I'm going to go play some ball. <laughs> yeah, you're a coat rack if you get a participant trophy in the hood. So, uh, so yeah, so I broke in it, did some new stuff, and I, you know, I'd like to put some Thomas Jefferson stuff at the beginning. And, wow, it's amazing how sometimes in, in stand-up how you think you've got all these bits that are just, like, great, and then you put them together in this big piece, 
and it works, but it's a little choppy, and then you add one piece that kind of like unlocks the whole thing, and that's what happened this week. It's cool. I love the festival for stuff like that. Now, uh, how many children do you have? I have two. I have uh, uh, and ages. Uh, six and eight. She's gonna be nine in August. Okay, I have three, six, three, and five months. And one question I always like to ask any uh, comic that's not controversial, but a little edgier than the average television comic: Do you ever worry about when your kids grow up and they hit that thirteen or fourteen and they start seeing your act? Wh at what age do you think your act is probably appropriate for them to see? I'm fucked right now, man. I know. If you look, if you look at all the okay, Norman Rockwell's and my screwed up family. They're gonna watch that, you know. My kids, if they ever watch it, it's gonna be there's my my mom's suicide, which is their grandma. Mm. They're gonna yeah, watch no, that. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, then I've got uh, I've got you know end of the world, which is my kids were born 16 days before 9/11, and it's like I nail a priest to the cross in that bit. You know, I do pedophile crucifixions, and then this last one, Love Is Evil, is about my horrible divorce, which is about their mother. <laughs> you know, I've actually prepaid therapy for them. I've actually I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm on a program already. I've already paid for like 35 sessions of therapy. <laughs> uh, when they hit 16, they just start. <laughs> I'm not even going to question them. I'm not going to let them do something stupid. Just go to therapy. Why? Just you know, here. Watch these three videos and then go to therapy. But you're not, you're you're not sheltering your children and making them wiener kids. I just think I'm an immersion dad. Like I'm the dad that you know if uh, if you're going to play football. You know, I want the biggest kid running into you. Because if you want to play football, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. I'm that guy. You know, my kid's already wakeboard. My, my, my son at four years old, I was, you know, it's funny because it was a, so we're at, we're, at, we're at the lake, and I have a ski boat, and we're going to go skiing. And my dad was emerging. I just threw my ass in the water, and I throw him in the water, and he's got a life jacket, and he's freaking out. And I throw him the wakeboard, and he'd had practice already getting it on. I said, get it on. And he gets it on, and, and he's freaking out. He's screaming at me. No, I don't want to do it. And I throw him the rope, and I go, here's what's going to happen. We're going to drive away. If you hold on to the rope, you go with us. If you don't, you swim. <laughs> and he just looked at me, and he grabbed it. The one thing about my kids, and so many parents blow this, man. If you tell your kids you're going to do something, do it, good or bad. If you say, if you do this, you're getting in trouble, then they should get there. You know, you're going to get your ass beat. Sorry. If you're going to do something good, we're going to Disneyland, take them to Disneyland. What ends up happening is then they start to trust you, respect you, because whatever you say happens. And uh, these kids today, man, I'm just worried. Like in 25, are you worried about your kids? In 25 years, are going to show up and be like, hey, Dad, thanks for letting the TV raise me. You took away all my social skills because let me play all those video games. Really appreciate it, man. And you and your mom with the, you know, with your internet porn marathon and mom watching Real Housewives of New York City, there's no industry left in my country. My country's falling apart. And so I decided to become addicted to crystal meth and work at the freeway off-ramp. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the downside to that? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> That's your I'm life, sounds, isn't it? <laughs> I actually did a, I, I do a bit in the show where... Uh, I talk about no one in this, no one who's successful in this room right now did it because you were hugged, loved, given a timeout, or given time to find yourself. <laughs> you did it because someone told you you were a loser and you wanted to stuff it up their ass. Right. That's right. it. I go, I go. If you don't think Steve Jobs has daddy issues, right. you know, imagine that kid. What are you doing, little queer, with the clickety clack in the bar? What are you? What's, <laughs> what's with the why? Go play football, you little fruit. What are yeah. you doing? And he was just clicking away. Oh, oh, oh I'm gonna make so much money, you're gonna disappear. <laughs> yeah, anybody, anybody heard of Steve Jobs' dad? Anybody? Anybody? No, he got deleted. That's what happened to him. <laughs> He has no friends with Facebook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of, one of the other things that's uh, obviously emerged in the last five years, the, the power of the Internet, I mean, well, even longer than that. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you're in a unique situation. You had a show where you drew in a lot more people to your style of comedy before the show, and now because of the Internet, they have access to you a lot more. Right. Do you ever find that you either censor yourself or you find that you have to write so much more now than pre that era? Do you know what I mean? Because your material is so much out there? Uh, yeah, but I also, you know, George Carlin sat down with a friend of mine one time, and I got this, I got this information secondhand. He got to have lunch with George Carlin, 
and he tells me this story. He says that Carlin in the middle of lunch goes, you comics are a bunch of pussies. And he's like, well, he's like eating. He's like, what? And he goes, he goes, I write a new act every 18 months. Some of you guys are doing the same act for 12 years. And in the 80s and 90s, I think you're right, man. I mean, I didn't get that till just now, but you're right. Like, we would go, there's comics that would do the same act forever. Some of them are still holding on to it. Yeah. <clears throat> and what happens is, is that now... Uh, audiences are way smarter. They know they can get, they can access comedy at all times. So I try to, like the second I film something, it's done. We did Love is Evil, filmed it. I started writing Re Revolution. I already got 25 minutes of, it's the next one's called Scarred for Life. I already got 25 minutes of that one written because, I, I, you know, he's right. George Collins right. I don't want to be a pussy. He died, he died. The man had, what, 21 albums and 14 HBO specials? Yeah. You know, yeah, but isn't it isn't it funny though that consumerism in products is almost like the same in terms of comedy? Yeah. How much people are consuming of it yeah. versus the seventies or eighties where Carlin kind of grew up, yeah. right? Yeah, and the thing is that like like I met Springsteen. Springsteen's sixty years old, and, and he's still putting out like an album every other year. So, yeah. I mean, we are punks. We're punks. Any comic that does the same act for four or five years is punks. And you know, and everybody's kind of it's funny the com being up at the comedy festival. There's so many brilliant guys. Jim Jeffries, phenomenal comic. Holy crap! Did you guys go see Jim? I worked with Jim in 05. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, wow. Was he on heroin then? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Jim. He'll punch me. He's, he's Australian. He'd just show up in my room and fight me. Yeah. Um, uh, no, he's, we saw him. He was brilliant. I went and saw Mike Birbiglia last night, and, uh, uh, and I saw Jamie Kilstein. And there's just some really – I love coming up here. I think that's what made the show happen and made me rewrite it because I, you're up here and the creativity is really oh, – You want to up your own game too. You yeah. see someone throwing something down yeah. and you think that you're the, the line of the edge and then you see something you're like, holy shit, we can go that much farther. Yeah. And that's what I like about coming up to these festivals and seeing those kinds of guys because you can only see 10 minutes of them on the internet. But when you see their hour and you see everything they're throwing, yeah. it does make you raise your own game. Yeah. Even when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Hey, it's Kathleen McGee, and uh, here's part two of the Christopher Titus interview from Just for Laughs this summer in Montreal. And sometimes I think it's like I have never tried to... I've never tried to piss the audience off, you know? I, I, I think that's a waste of time. I've, I've, I always said, oh, how could, like when I did Pedophile Crucifixions, I was like, how do I suck them into this bit so I make my point and don't piss them off? And then, by the way, I always, I, like I would walk, every 10 shows I'd walk a couple of people. How do you justify, like not justify, like justify is not the right reason, but like if a club owner comes up to you and says, hey, what, what the fuck's going on with those walkouts? Uh, how, what do you say back to them? Or it's, it's like that old scenario of just like, you know, if you have like a room of 500 people and, you know, 495 people love the show, but then there's five people that write complaint letters and, it's that, and that's what the manager reads. He doesn't read like the, far, the 495 people that love the show. He just sees those five letters and he's like, hey, what the fuck's this? Like, have you ever had to defend, yep. you know, what you did to a club owner after a series of walkouts? Yep. I actually lost when I, when I changed my, because I did comedy for a long time. I did like 12 years. And uh, and I and I was headlining, and I was you know, but I was like I was I was I was ass on toast, man. I mean, look back at now what I used to do when I started, which is like, hey, you ever wake up in the morning and you get in the shower and it's got two settings, lava and Arctic, huh? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. You ever go to the store and buy stuff? It was like so lame. And then I, I got this I got this place where I call it growing a tumor on my soul, where I was just like, God, I hate my act. Like I would in my head be just ripping my act while I was doing it. Dude, you suck. That's not funny. They hate you. And so I was gonna quit. I literally was gonna quit twelve years in. I was gonna, you know, I'm gonna go open a body shop because I'm into cars. I'm do that. And then uh, 
I said, uh, a friend of mine said, why, oh, actually an agent of mine said, why don't you just do what you want to do? You're talking about your mom in a mental hospital, you're starting this bit, and you're talking about it like Seinfeld. He goes, he goes tell them what you really think. And I go, if I tell them what I really think, I'm going to get my ass kicked. It's going to be like a mob ass kick. And he goes, he goes, listen, man, all they want to hear is the truth. So I, I wrote this bit called We Need Comedy to Get Rid of Our Desire to Kill. And at the end of this bit, it's two and a half minutes long, I'm stabbing my boss in the... In fact, I'd walk on stage, you know, everybody, everybody walks on stage, how are you guys doing tonight? I would walk on stage and go... You people even know why you're here? Mm -hmm. Is it because you like paying four dollars for one beer? Is that why? And I would just like, like my, my my opening was "fuck you, audience." Yeah. And th so at the end of this two-minute bit, I'm stabbing my boss in the chest and I'm screaming, "I just need a good laugh!" And in uh, the first night I did it, it worked. Like it killed. But I didn't have anything else. I go, then I go, hey, anybody ever get in the shower and you got two settings, Arctic? or? <laughs> was, and the audience went dead quiet for the next seven minutes. So I really got something about it. So I changed my whole life. I threw out everything that night. I wrote all this like stuff that I really want to talk about. Mom's mental illness, my mom's suicide, the basis for Norman Rockwell. You know, my crazy girlfriend's getting punched in the face, spending a night in jail. And I take it to Cleveland. There's this, there's this woman there named Sarah Nye. And who's a great, she was a good club manager, great club manager, but she... She, she was like, I, the first time I went to the club, she, we had exactly what you had happen. Like five people walked out and right. go, I didn't expect this. I saw him last time. He was a different guy. And she comes up to me and she says, I need you to change your act. And, I, and I, she goes, do your old act. And I went, like, it's weird. I was like, I, there was no way you could have canceled my entire week. I would have been, nope. I already got, I, now I know what I do. Sorry. Right. And uh, so she let me finish the week and she called me and she said, Chris will never be back at this club again until he goes back to his old happy boy act and I was like and, and the weird thing is here's the weird thing when you as a comic when you really find what you do yeah. right. you don't give a shit I'm like okay I'll never work that club again fine clink big X on their fucking calendar sorry okay whatever I know what I do now and I'd rather have five minutes on stage being honest and doing what I do than fucking five hours on some club owner that wants me to kiss their ass or the audience's ass yeah. and so so let's epilogue Titus gets on the air Titus gets on the air based on Mike the act that I was doing the, the hard edgy act um, and we get it on TV and it just goes darker and darker the last episode of Titus before I pissed the network president off was um, was about uh, child molestation and we've got it on the air my, my, nie my niece had gotten uh, gotten molested when she was a kid so uh so I go back to the, so I get booked back in Cleveland after Titus is over, you know, and, and, and before I get there, we sell it out. And uh, the, Sarah Knight picks me up at the airport, and to her credit, we get in the car, we drive about eight minutes, and she goes, I have to apologize. I was wrong. I, you took exactly what I didn't think would work and made a television show out of it. So it was really cool. So I think if you stick true to yourself, you can't lose, man. You can't lose. I think that happens with a lot of comics. I mean, even myself, I call my past... I had a break point too, and I used to, I now call that era my happy, clappy, fun boy days, yes. where it was all about making them laugh and not what I cared about and and my own dysfunctionality. And I now that's what I do. But there is almost like that Nirvana moment where it's like pre-Nirvana, post-Nirvana for me and for most guys. I think that do especially what we do have that moment. Some of it happened on stage in their career, or some happened just on amateur night, and then they go, "Fuck it, I'm just going to do what I do." Or something happens off stage, uh, just something happens to, to you, like in your life, thing, yeah. yeah, and then just goes like, shit, I can't, there's, what's, what's this bullshit that I used to be talking about, and there's much more important things I gotta be talking about, too. Yeah. Now, um, what, like, if, how, I'm always curious how, when you do sort of develop a, a, like, a fan base, and people get to know you as this sort of one sort of edgy, hardcore sort of uh, comic, and then they sort of start, um, and then if your own personal life sort of, if you start getting happier all of a sudden, 
and <laughs> for what? Then, yeah. so, but then, you, but then you just start getting happy, and then you start writing, start writing the happier stuff, and then that fan base goes, well, no, we kind of like the older guy that you used yeah. to be. It would almost be like you know, you're not necessarily going back to your old act, but sort of going back whether you like it or not. It's sometimes you can't help. It's, what like, it's like you know, sometimes you can't help what you write. That's, I guess right. what I'm saying. And, and some comics kind of box themselves into a corner because they're this kind of comic, and their fans expect that. And then yeah, if something great in your life happens, you don't really want to be that kind of dark or person. Yeah. It's it's for your fan base. It's sometimes harder, or it might not be for you. We, that's why we're asking. Well, the new the new stuff's got. I mean, I got a bit where I say late term abortion like thirty five times, which mm-hmm. I originally wrote because like you know uh, if you look at Lenny Bruce said Lenny Bruce said if you if you say something long enough you take the heat out of it and that guy got killed in that church, mm-hmm. so I wrote this bit about how I don't think there should ever be abortions, but I do believe once a child is born, there should be a 22-year late-term abortion window. And it's this whole long bit, and, I, and the whole point of it really was to say late-term abortion like 75 times, so at the end of it, people are they're howling, and I, I call it back throughout the whole show, and I want to get rid of it. You know, whatever happens in my personal life, happy or not, like I've got an amazing girlfriend now. Um, I think the world is fucked, man. And event, I don't think there's ever going to be something... And with Mike, if you look at my career, Norman Rockwell screwed up family. Then I get, uh, then 9/11 happens. I write into the world, and then I get this horrible divorce. I write that. I think my next show is going to be Titus's prostate cancer scare. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just—I don't think there'll ever be something where it doesn't—it doesn't go away. But I had controversy this week, man. I had this guy, kid. I do this late term. I do a thing about genetics, about how like they're getting, they're mapping the genome now. And one day, you know what they're going to do? Because of overpopulation, they're going to actually find out people of all races what if you're going to be a serial killer you're not going to make it right. you're not going to well no you're no welcome to the planet if you're going to be a home you know a, a drug dealer you're you're not going to make it if you're going to be a family law attorney you're out right. you know and uh and by the way if there's any family law attorneys out there <laughs> fuck you <laughs> so um and uh so so uh, i write this bit and as i get off stage and this kid's a fan this is, is, is he's he's running yamakon and he's very orthodox uh, really orthodox looking kid you know he's coming to my show he can't be totally orthodox right. And he goes, I just want to say I'm really, 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 really a uh, big fan. I have all your stuff. I love your material. And, he go, and I go, great, man. And we start talking. And he goes, I do have one little point. And I go, and he goes, well, you know that bit you do about the mapping the genome and actually picking who's going to be born and who's not? And I said, yeah. And he goes, make sure it's not a master race thing. So no matter what you write, people hear what through their filter. So, so when someone goes, you know, I, when, I did, uh, when I did the pedophile crucifixions, man, you know, basically this priest is in front of a guy, his old priest that he's nailed to the cross. He's trying to make it up to the church by nailing the old priest to the cross. And one night I'm in Pittsburgh, man, and this dude just goes, this dude, I'm looking at this guy, fucking get this look on his face, and he's just shaking his head, just shaking his head. He's pissed. And I go, I, and you know, why are we so sick? Like, we could be, we could have, I know, we could have fun. I will see somebody, that, especially when I first start, but like I try to ignore it now, but if I see someone not enjoying my, my act or if I've done a rape joke or an abortion joke and this woman's <laughs> like, I've been raped and had an abortion. And, you know, you see those women. You but you was raped during an you abortion. Poke, <laughs> yeah, you poke at it. You poke at it. It's every comic does that, I think. It's, it's just so it. twisted. It's like, well, you know what is it? I don't think we're not good at dealing with... Um, that that bullshit that people have, you know. We're not, look, we know we're right. That, honestly, you have to be delusional to be a comic. You actually have to believe the craziest thing you can think of is right. Right. And so you have to or be delusional, right, yeah. right? And then uh, uh, you know, and if you're, and, and by the way, the only reason you can prove it's right is because they laughed at it. If they don't laugh, you're wrong. And if you if your stuff's working, it's screw them. You know it's funny, right? So this this guy shake his head. I go and I, and again, I instead of just moving on, I go, dude, you got an issue with this? And he goes, yeah. He goes, my son is a priest and I go 
does he rape little boys? And the dude in the crowd goes nuts. And the dude, instead of laughing and going, no, and I go, well, then I wasn't talking about you or your son. Yeah. The dude gets up and walks out and rails the manager. I don't. I did not come here for this. Blah 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 blah. blah. And the, the guy, the manager at the time, this is pissed. He goes, did, "Did you see Norman Rockwell's bleeding?" He, like, he, he talks about his mom's suicide. He goes, I, I, "Okay, sorry. You want your money back? Okay, give him his money back." And that was it. But you can't. You just can't. You can't ever censor yourself. And then again, there's another way too. Like there's this new. Like you, you also have to be careful what you do in a sense of, because the alternative guys, even the edgy guys. Uh, um, there's a hack. There's a hackness into that too. You can actually fall into that. Like what, I think the safe edge right now is ripping apart religion. I think the safe edge right now is is like, well, imaginary god mythology, blah blah blah, bullshit. And at one point you go, wow, I've heard the same quote edgy ground pushing guy. All thirty of them are doing the same bit. And you have to catch yourself. And you have to be just because you're in that camp, you can't go. Yeah, man, we're all brilliant. No, you're all talking about the same shit right now. Yeah, there's a you certain know? there's a certain predictability of premises that yes. that's sort of like you know it's like every time every comic uh, if he brings up like the fact that like uh, some uh, school teacher has slept with one of his students and they bring up that I'm always sort of like hmm, I wonder what direction this is going to go in. Where were where were those hoes when I was in school? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. or if any time someone brings up a uh, uh, sports figures uh, taking steroids, oh, I wonder where he's gonna. I think all sports figures should be allowed to take as much steroids as they want. You know, it's like that sort of like. There's some. Right. I mean, there can be funny takes on that sort of very standard premise of, but I mean, there's like the steroids, and then there's the edgy premise of yeah, the safe, they call it the safe edge it's a safe yeah. edge where you sound like you're really ranting and raving but the guy before you just ranted and raved about yeah. that too and, and it goes across like you know hack hack is not just a middle of the road guy with a puppet right. yeah. hack can be you know because alternative now is such a big thing and there's some brilliant guys and there's some guys that are kind of a little there's a, you know you know they're all everyone's trying really hard right. and you could probably go through my act and go well I've heard someone talk about that but like the religion thing for me is like well look if like I, whether I believe or not if you believe that there's a guy God, that's going to punish you if you do something mean and that stops you from shiving me in an alley, God bless you. Yeah. You know, that's my yeah. attitude. I, don't, I never want to just be, like, my comedy, I'm never trying to piss them off. I'm trying to drag them to a place where they don't expect to go exactly. and go, oh, shit, I don't want to be here, and then go, oh, but that's a good point, right. you I know? Think that, I think that you can tell when a comic is on stage not being genuine and not and and saying I'm going to do religion because it seems to be the thing. If he never went to or knew anything about religion, he just went to Wikipedia and typed in God and <laughs> looked up some stuff. You can look and people put stuff about God. There's some really interesting God, stuff. He, he liked to. Forty-three <laughs> million. But there's also there's cheerleading and everything. I mean, there's cheerleading and hack comedy and there's cheerleading and edge. I think anytime you're saying something that you know, like we were in L.A. a few months ago and we saw a comic doing a big thing about the troops, very pro troops and I'm not saying you you can't be pro troops but if you're just saying things to get an audience to be on your side and it's cheerleading is the same no matter if you're edgy or not right right and, and, and even if your point is the same as some of the comics you have to find out what you do right. like Neverlution is, is kind of about like I really I'm really trying to like I, I tell like it freaked people out when I started doing it this I just but I go I, I just say at the beginning terrorism is over there's no terrorism and people got like really like quiet and I'm like we had a guy, Osama bin Laden, had a Hail Mary pass in 2001. Took down the World Trade Center, which I still think was an insurance scam. And I saw him, like, this whole premise is that terror, you know, people, we hear it every day. And I, I actually call Anderson Cooper a terrorist at one point. I just start going off on the news. And, and you know, I think it, you've heard it, but if you, you got to prove your points. And uh, I'm working with a guy that works with Eddie Izzard right now, and, that, and he's going to take me in theaters. And he's like, he's like, the one thing you do is you put these absurd, you put an absurd statement out. And then you got to prove it. Mm. And sometimes just ranting an absurd statement without backing it up is that's the mistake.
This is Anthony Jeselnik. That's right, Anthony Jeselnik. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on XM Radio's Laugh Attack. That's right, Anthony Jeselnik. Two scoops of fuck you. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Welcome back from the break. Here's the last part of our Christopher Titus interview at Just for Laughs this summer in Montreal. Uh, It's so funny when you see a guy who's 61 years old get up and shame all of us. Yeah, like, he got up. Okay, okay, bad enough that we have to get up in front of audiences at a festival where everybody's here. There's a lot of comedy in town. You know, if you're selling tickets or whatever. Lewis gets up in front of all the comics, oh, the funniest people on the planet. And Lewis Black, who I don't, I don't even know, I've never met him. And he, 61, this fucking guy just, just basically, in the coolest way, built this set about the industry and stuff. And, you know, it, brilliant, just brilliant. And I love when you see... You know, it, one of the points was all these kids, you know, Andy was making these, these kids, you know, these kids are 21, 22, and they're getting deals. Yeah. And then you see Lewis Black, who has, uh, uh, it was weird. 40 years of life experience yeah, on those 20 kids. And it was elegant and graceful and fucking hilarious and brutal. And it was, I was just, I, I just, it was one, it was one, I love when I see a comic that makes me feel like I should be a welder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, that, and, you, and that's what you get at Montreal. When you come to Montreal, you're like, dude, I have to rewrite my shit. I got to work on my act. Wow, I've been working these clubs where I'm the headliner so all I see is me and I'm the open act's not even close and then I come to Montreal and I'm like wow dude I kind of suck I gotta fix this and, uh, and that's thank God I came here this because it's exactly what I needed um, just two other quick things and you touched on one I was going to bring up about the idea of Lewis Black being 61 um, a lot of people like to throw around the idea it's a young man's game and especially when you come to Montreal and other festivals you do see that young person element but I've always said it's like you show me a comic say under 35 that has the same ability of as someone like a Lewis Black or someone that's 45 because they're probably not they're talking about what's important to them but is it really as important to everyone like a 45 year old's perspective is right. do you know what I mean right. yeah, life, life experience man yeah you know it's weird you, uh, and, and, uh, so weird because I started when I was 19 and, I, and, and imagine what you did at 19. You thought oh, that was very important, I, and that's not knocking it because that's a 19-year-old perspective. Yeah. But uh, now, you know, if you're 40, what you look back at 19. Yeah, my taking a, taking a dump bit just doesn't have the same <laughs> ring as it does now. I'll look at an old like, uh, set list from like 10 years ago and just be like, how the hell did I sell this shit? Yeah. It's <laughs> like... I, <laughs> it's like there's like uh, there's even like a like a in in Canada there's a, a show that comics do it's called Comedy Now it's just like a one hour comedy like the special. Comedy Central presents like the Comedy Central presents but it's called Comedy Now and and like I, I did one in two thousand one and uh, and it was an hour long and and comics still come up to me and go wow that's really great but it's hard for me to watch it because there's a part of me and even though it kills and people still enjoy it I'm sort of like I don't even know if I could go on stage now and sell that shit the same way like there's either something in your eyes or in your voice yeah. that just tells the audience I don't think he really believes in this yeah. shit anymore yeah you're doing your old stuff and slowly dying you're just yeah. like literally growing cancer as you're, as you're going through the old set list that's hilarious no I, I had some stuff that I thought I did a bit called car butt when yeah. you, you ever ride with your parents and you take a long <laughs> trip and you get that you get car butt that's Rachel, by the way. She's Hi, also Rachel. a comic. Hi. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and I would do, and like, I don't know if I could do it. I could do it mockingly. I could do it, like, you know, campy. But, man, I look back now, 
and you can do it. And I think that's what. So you see these young guys doing the same stuff, and everyone's talking about jerking off and stuff. And, okay, great. We don't, I haven't seen that yet. And uh, and no one has There's a. There's no such thing as a bad blowjob. No one has. Yeah, no one has a different take on it. And uh, and I saw what's that kid's name? TJ's guy that we saw the other night. Sean Patton. Sean Patton. This guy does his bit, and he does. You know, he's really good. He, he's good, solid. But it's more like that kind of stuff. And then yeah. he does his bit about. Um, his grandmother having Alzheimer's. And I'm like, and it just totally flips the whole crowd. And this is what I talk about some guys. You know, he did kind of normal stuff, and then he talked about his grandma, and he said, he goes, I'm glad she's dead. And like, the audience was like, whoa. And I even, I was like, where is this going? And he goes, he goes, did that piss you off? I'm sorry. He goes, I'll do one more joke and I'll get out of here. And he goes, I, by the way, this joke has Alzheimer's. And he does this joke straight, and it's kind of funny, and it's funny, and it's a joke. And he goes, oh, wait, let me, now I'll do it again. And, and he goes, he goes, okay, now I'm going to do a joke that has Alzheimer's. So you can see, like, something's wrong. He's, and he does this bit, and he takes this joke further and further. He keeps repeating this joke, and it starts to go off, and it starts to fuck up, and it starts, then he's screaming at the audience, where's my wallet? Who are you? Why are you here? And, and, and he stops, and he goes, uh, he says, uh, he goes, now, don't you wish after the first time I did that joke? That it that hit it died, <laughs> and I was like, wow. And and so like guys like that are are, are pushing it, and you got it, and you got to keep growing, man. And the young comics, um, again, we all think we had it together, like you said, man. And and now that I'm forty, for I'm forty five, I'm I'm I like I have a different way of saying things. You're just better and better and better. I think the mistake is. The mistake is the guys that keeps doing their same stuff, you know. And audiences are smart now. You're done if you keep doing. If you're on, if you're going back to the third time, if you go to a club once a year and you go back the third time with the same act, you're you're going to start watching your numbers drop and people aren't going to give a shit. Plus, three years later, what you're talking about is not relevant. Well, yeah, it's like the uh, hey, I, I just broke up with my girlfriend three years ago, yeah. but these bits <laughs> still work. So <laughs> let's see, watch me walk through them again. <laughs> and it's, it's it's I mean, it's tough to give up on a uh, like, like good jokes, but there is that part of you that's sort of like. Uh, it doesn't feel right talking about a breakup that happened like three years ago. But don't forget, don't forget the adrenaline too, man. I mean, like, like writing this new show, Nevolution. It's like to to actually take a show like Love Is Evil was killing, standing ovation killing. It was killing, mm-hmm. and I I dumped it. I was like, okay, we filmed it, let's go. And I started. I had to undo all the the joy of that and start this new process of beating a new act and. Uh, you know, and now it's an hour and twenty, and and every night, even this week, man, the adrenaline just—I think now I'm addicted to new shit. Now I'm kind of addicted mm-hmm. to it. Like mm-hmm. I don't wanna like once it gets once it's shaped up and done. You know, Comedy Central's coming to because they're gonna record it for my fourth album, and and then I'm gonna be done. And I'm gonna—I'm kind of excited about the new one already. I'm, it's don't don't forget the high. Don't forget the high. And, and I think at the beginning when you wrote new stuff, remember how? Remember? Yeah. Do you remember like you were like, oh shit, I just did some new stuff. Ha ha ha! And your adrenal glands got like muscles on it and right. stuff. And, and there's nothing like when a new bit actually works, yes. and you're just like, oh shit! <laughs> it, it basically validates it. it validates your being, yeah. doesn't it? You're like, I am alive because I am right, yeah. and they laughed. And that's what always uh, confuses. I mean, like I can understand if people get pissed off at the business of comedy, and that meant what is something that makes people quit but I never see how someone can genuinely just walk away from it completely you know because I mean even if I even if, if you were once a comic and and just the idea if you think up something funny you write it down there's still gonna be that part of you that goes like fuck I wonder if anyone else thinks this is funny yeah. I got I gotta go to a room full of strangers and tell some people <laughs> it's not enough that I just make the assholes at work laugh I gotta go somewhere I gotta make strangers laugh with this bit and like as if I, it's this all I don't see how a comic can completely walk away from that because you never stop. Once you start writing jokes, you never really stop. That's. Yeah, I mean, some people do. Some guys do, man. Some guys just. Like, I got my 45. There was a guy years ago um, who I'm not going to give his name because I think he's still working. But he's a really, really nice guy. Yeah. 
And uh, one day we were, we were doing this gig, and we got done in Atlanta. We had to drive to Florida, so we're driving to get to Florida. And he starts riffing this bit about um, uh, who's the guy that played Humphrey Boy Humphrey Bogart? The yes, Rick, that guy. Remember that guy? Oh yeah. Whatever, whatever. He's doing yeah. this character as a, as a long a sort of long road trucker, and this guy did characters, and, I, and I'm I'm dying. I'm in the van with him. I'm laughing my ass off, and I go, dude, you got to do that on stage. That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And he goes, Nah, man, I got my 45. And I, I know I felt like a piece of me died. I was like, wow, oh, wow, dude. I, I don't want to even be in the van with you anymore. I have no respect for you now. Well, you know, it's funny. It happened to me in, in, the, in the 90s. Do you know Mike Wilmot? Have you ever met Mike Wilmot? No, he's no, a comic. He's, he's a Canadian guy, yeah. but he does all the gals here and stuff. But I used to be like the happy, clappy, fun boy. I had funny pants, all that stuff. Oh, my and God. You had joke clothing? Oh, yeah. Oh, don't don't Google me. Don't fucking Google me. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no. Did you do my, jokes about your goofy Anyways, clothing? let's not talk about that. Wow. All I'm trying to say Look, is... Like, I have some things I'm ashamed yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Oh, yeah, I had a funny bag bag, and oh, I had a fucking no. clothing bag, all right? It was tough. I couldn't carry merch. I already had two fucking bags. Anyways, my point is, I was with a comic telling them some horrible story about my childhood, and they're crying, both comics, and they're like, why the fuck are you not doing that? And you're doing your stupid gum joke or your fucking, you know, ice Rain cream man. bite or Rain Man. I don't want to get into yeah, that. Yeah. But you know what I mean? And it was, yeah, of course, you eventually flip it. And the other thing I think is, and you brought up about the look in your eye, I've always said, you know, thievery is a big thing in comedy right now, calling everybody a thief and all yeah. this. And my whole thing is, you can steal my joke, but you can't steal the look in my eye yeah, while I yeah. tell it. And that's also the same thing I apply to new material. Meaning, yeah, you, you, can, you can always tell your old jokes, but you never have the look in your eye as when that new joke is connecting. Yeah. And I think that's what some comics are addicted to, because I know that's what I am. Yeah. And I bomb, and I still bomb with the new material, but once it connects, the look in my eye, because I, you know, I tape myself, I can see yeah. the difference. And a commitment too, man. You have to have a commitment. By the way, you can't, you can't. I can't see your stuff with the look in your eye, but I can use your funny pants. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have to hurt near the end? <laughs> Why couldn't I, we start it with the funny I, pants? I, I, I love that you were self-aware. I love that you let it go. I appreciate yeah. it. God yeah. bless you. It's like yeah. an intervention yeah. type thing. Yeah. Oh, no, no fucking. Okay, we're done. Okay. Oh fuck. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I think that you, you also like some guys will write a bit. It doesn't work, and they'll give it up after three tries. Yeah, and my do that. my girlfriend uh, Rachel Bradley, she's she's doing stand-up. She used to book comedy for six years she ran like a bunch of comedy clubs and she was always really funny and she'd give me jokes and she'd give other comics jokes she moved up to me in LA became an actress and now she's doing stuff and her shit's really funny and like there's times she goes I can't make this funny and I'm like you gotta stay with it you gotta stay with it some guys will bail on a bit cause not, it's not just new material but getting it to that point where it's laser timed and you can always add another joke and another tag and another you know there's a day you, you beat it to death mm. but god that year that you're working on that one bit and, and it just gets better don't forget to keep writing or some. you can put it away oh yeah or put it away for like a year or two cause you don't have the ability yeah. to pull that premise off now whether it's age or confidence or what it is like you know if you're in your 20s doing a pedophile joke most times it's going one way right, right, but in right. your 40s you may be bringing a whole new look to why you're going there I keep every single joke book I keep every single like I have a new joke that I finally got to work and it's I love it but before when I was trying it it didn't make sense but now I know how to edit jokes better than I did when I first started yeah we had a joke in uh, Love is Evil and it's the thing is if you know it's funny like you like have this your, your brain is like no you're wrong it's Don't funny yeah and, uh, and I finally nailed it it was a joke about my ex's family uh, about how the cops, I just do the jock, I go, these, these people are white trash, I, I, you know, you know it's bad when the uh, mailman gives the mail to the cops because they're going to be there anyway, and it was kind of didn't work, and then I built this whole piece around it, and then finally the, it got applause, 
and and don't give up, man. If you're a comic and you just think, ah, oh, it's not, it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work that one time. It's because you didn't do it right yet. Or exactly, your ability's not where it needs yeah. to be. My the first bit I wrote that scared the hell out of me was my father's first heart. I wrote this bit of my dad's first heart attack, yeah. which he blamed on me. <laughs> so I do this bit, and, and uh, it's a long story about my dad's heart attack. And literally, the first time I did, the audience was this is in the '80s. Too, so the audience was like not used to this. They were used to guys in funny pants with a kazoo shirt, and they. <laughs> And, and uh, we can edit that. <laughs> and then it, and and it, so it ate it, literally ate it for six months. And I, and but I knew, like I knew, this is where I wanted to go. I knew this was before I even changed my act for twelve years. But it was the first piece that had any edge at all that would go to a darker place. And and finally one night I rewrote it, I got on stage, and it was the opening. I fucked the opening up. The, you know, I wasn't leading them down the right road. And once I led them down the right road, boom, every joke killed in it. You know, so all that time I put into these jokes that weren't working, it was because they were already, con they were so concerned about the way I was starting it. My dad had a heart attack, you know, you know and, and it was like something about how, what heart, what happens when you, or your, what happens, you have a heart attack, when it happens when you have it, like your heart explodes, well, whatever. And, and I was fucking freaking them out on the first bit, so they didn't listen to the rest of the bit. They didn't want to hear about heart attacks. Once I changed that, everything worked. So just don't give up. Yeah. You young comics out there, welcome to How to Be a Comedian with Christopher Titus. <laughs> <laughs>